This is Unstable Molecules, exploring the origins of the Marvel Universe. I'm G. Hollingsby, and in this episode we go back to the very beginning, the start of the Marvel Comics superhero universe. The fantastic Dr. Droom? My eyes were becoming slanted, and I have a, a moustache. Yes, Dr. Droom, I have transformed you. I have given you an appearance suitable to your new role. You are now the nemesis of all the good powers that are sinister and corrupt. Six months before the Fantastic Four launched the Marvel Comics Universe in 1961, Lee, Kirby and Ditko attempted to introduce a superhero by the name of Dr. Anthony Drew. Part detective, part occultist, Drew is a kind of update of a 30s pulp hero. He's also an early version of the character of Doctor Strange that Lee and Ditko introduced in 1963. His introduction is one of the stories in an Amazing Adventures comic, lasted five issues. Each story was short, only five or six pages. Almost all the plots involve alien invasion of some sort. And for a supposedly occult character, the adventures of Doctor Droom are more science fiction detective stories. Unfortunately, Droom isn't an engaging hero. He starts off as a balding, nondescript middle-aged Doctor, and even when transformed into the fantastic Doctor Droom, is nothing more than a one-dimensional, slightly creepy loner who people call in to solve unexplained mysteries. He's a plot device and lacks any of the realism of character that Lee and Kirby tried to introduce with later characters, especially characters like Peter Parker, Ben Grimm and Matt Murdock. His powers are of the mind, and they're fairly limited. It's not firmly established whether or not Droom's powers are supernatural. He has similar powers set to someone like the Shadow, and can do things like hypnotise, levitate, which is really the Indian rope trip, and put himself into a sudden trance that makes bullets bounce off him. He doesn't wear a costume, it's more a featureless dark suit. The worst thing about Dr. Droom is that the comic suffers from an offensive subtle racism. The Doctor starts off as a white westerner, but at the end of the first story is magically transformed into an Asian and coloured yellow. Arguably this yellow facing was primarily to avoid alienating the white male audience, heavens forbid presenting a genuinely Asian superhero. The character then plays on racial stereotyping of the mysterious Oriental with magical powers beyond the understanding of Westerners. It's like the character of Kane in the 70s TV series Kung Fu, and it's interesting to imagine how a Dr. Droom comic with an Asian lead would have fared, or even a Kung Fu TV series with Bruce Lee. There's no indication that Droom reverts to his Westerner appearance when he's not in detective mode, though this is possible. Throughout the, the short run of Doctor Dream comics, the art is consistently very good. It's classic early Marvel. Even when Kirby drops, drops off pencils and is replaced by Paul Reinman, much of this is down to Stan Cold Goldberg's colouring, which I think uses a lot of bold, bright, flat colours for effect. It's very much the Marvel house style that works brilliantly in those early comics. Sadly, though, the stories aren't engaging enough. They're tucked away in the backs of amazing adventures behind solid 50s-style science fiction and supernatural stories, which are narratively much more interesting to read. Because the, art, the house artwork of those other stories is pretty consistent as well, the Droom stories just don't stand out. If you want to read these Droom adventures, they're collected in Marvel Masterworks Rarities Volume 1. The first of the stories, I Am the Fantastic Doctor Droom, is the origin story, and it's published in Amazing Adventures number 1, which had a June 1961 cover date, but was on sale in March. 
And the plot is thought to be by Stan Lee, with script by Larry Lieber. Pencils are by Jack Kirby. Steve Ditko inks the comic, and Stan Goldberg colours. Now, Droom's origin is a five-page story in a, with a first-person narration. We find out that a Tibetan Lama requests aid from an American doctor, and Droom overhears this and has an interest in the Orient, which encourage, encourages him to travel to the Himalayas. Droom at the beginning is a pipe-smoking bald man with a slight resemblance to Charles Xavier. He overhears these other doctors scoffing at the Lama's request. Already at the start, he's got an interest in learning about Tibetan mystical arts, and it says that he's driven by a burning curiosity to travel across the world. When he gets to Tibet, the Lama's assistant insists that they're not going to be paying for medical treatment, and he forces Dr. Anthony Droom to undergo a series of tests, which include walking barefoot across a bed of hot coals, facing a hybrid creature called a gore lion, which is half gorilla, half lion, and he has to climb a magical rope. When he finds the Lama, the Lama is actually dying and explains in his sort of dying breath that occult forces exist and that Droom's charitable, self-sacrificing character proves him to be a worthy successor. Droom accepts the responsibility and after a touch of the, of the dying Lama's hands, he's transformed into having a frightening Asian appearance. Now the Lama explains that these occult forces, these evil diabolical things, have to be never-endingly fought. And the story ends with the Lama's assistant vowing to teach Droom the secrets of black magic. Now there are three problems with this origin story. Firstly, most importantly, is that Droom is just uninteresting as a character. Even his name is pretty awful. Secondly, there's no clear-cut villain. Just vague, sinister forces that the reader doesn't see, which is told that they exist somewhere and have to be fought unendingly. Thirdly, the narrative is straightforward and boring. Nothing unexpected happens. There's no twist. There's nothing, unless you'd include the ridiculous gore lion, that is surprising and unusual. It might have worked as the first act of a much longer story in which Dr. Droom would have encountered a villain and fought him and at the end used some of his, his newly acquired mystical powers. But it doesn't happen. It just ends there. And it's worth comparing this first Droom adventure with Doctor Strange's first appearance in Strange Tales 110 in 1963 in the story Doctor Strange, Master of Black Magic. Strange's origin is a story within a story. An unnamed man has, a, has horrendous nightmares and seeks out Doctor Strange for help. We use his perspective to follow him to Greenwich Village, which adds a dash of realism, to Strange's Sanctorum. We see Strange already as a fully formed sorcerer who then wields magical powers. He visits Asia in his sort of projected form, meets his master, who's a character like Droom's Lama, and later, inside the unnamed man's dreams, he confronts a shadowy villain, Nightmare, who Strange calls his ancient foe. And while in this dream, the unnamed man pulls a gun out on Strange. He's a crooked businessman, worried that Strange will find out his dodgy dealings. At the end of the story, he's forced to reveal his crimes by a hypnotic spell. Now, in the same number of pages, Ditko and Lee cram so much more. Lee's writing is much stronger and confident. The bombastic captioning worked better than Droom's first-person, rather hesitant narration. Ditko's art is great, drawing on a macabre, sort of EC-style comic. The panels at the start with a sweating, unnamed businessman are characteristically Ditko, portraying this 
anxiety and fear. They're beautifully coloured. Strange is presented as being fully realised. There's a villain, there's actual magic used, and there's an engaging story which has a twist at the end. Now both stories, Drooms and Doctor Strange's, draw on the same material, and it seems that in the two years between Amazing Adventures number one and Strange Tales 110, the Marvel team had learned how to construct a great opening story. The World Below is Droom's first adventure as an occult detective and appeared in Amazing Adventures number 2, July 1961 cover date and on sale in April 1961. Again we have Stan Lee producing the plots, possibly Larry Lieber doing the script, Kirby on pencils, we now have Dick Ayers doing the the inks and Stan Goldberg on colours. And we see the first attempts at a way of trying to find a satisfactory way of telling a Droom story. This one is subtitled From the Amazing Cases of Dr. Droom, which gives it a, a slight Sherlock Holmes manner of adventuring. Now the case book isn't referred to again in any of the subsequent Droom stories. It's a first-person narrative again. Ditko's stepped away, Dick Ayers inks the story, and there's a slight change. He uses thicker lines and retains more of Kirby's details than Ditko did. Now, presumably, this this tale takes place years after the first story. Droom has mastered his occult skills. In this issue, the world's largest ocean liner, the SS Luxuria, has vanished at sea. And the, the owners of the ship recruit Droom, who then travels to where the ship vanished and finds the lost world of Atlantis. Now, these Atlanteans are very different from Namor's. There's no suggestion that they're the same species and that the Atlantis presented here is is the Submariner's Atlantis. These ones are green with big fish heads. And what they're doing is studying the passengers of the SS Luxuria in preparation for an invasion of the surface world. Droom locates the Atlantean leader, hypnotise him, which he call, and he calls hypnotism the greatest of his abilities, and then ends up hypnotising the entire Atlantean race into believing that the surface world is a wasteland devoid of human life. He then hypnotises the passengers of the Luxuria so they have no memory of Atlantis, which enables people not to have any fear of travelling the seas in the future. What's noticeable is that Droom is only clearly seen a couple of times in the story. Mostly he's covered up by a skin-diving suit, as if Kirby's trying to hide the character from full view. We also find out in this issue that one of, of um, his skills is judo and he's able to expertly beat up the Atlanteans. It's certainly not a great story and could almost be the sort of thing that, that Namor the Submariner would have investigated back in the 1954 revival. Dr. Droom meets Zemu is the third of the Droom stories and appeared in Amazing Adventures number three with an August 1961 cover date which was on sale in May 1961. It's the same team, Lee, Lieber, Kirby, Ayers and Goldberg. This is a better story about a space alien attempting to acquire power. Zemu, a successful stage magician, runs for governor, promising to use his powers to improve things. And Droom is suspicious of him and investigates Zemu's theatre. Using the magic rope trip, he's able to work out that Zemu used ultra-modern instruments, including magnets, to perform one of his tricks. And Zemu turns out to be a warrior from Saturn in disguise. Zemu goes after Droom with an infrared detector that also files delta rays, 
Droom ends up hypnotising Zemu to reveal his plans of invasion. And strangely, in the final panel, Droom explains that his suspicions of Zemu were based on the fact that real magic does not exist, despite, in the first story, having his features magically changed into Asian. The art is, is still pretty strong, with some great Kirby panels of audiences and talking heads. There's a three-panel transformation of Zemu, which is really dynamic and beautifully coloured again by Goldberg. The only letdown is that the alien Zemu has a big turnip head, which is more comical than frightening. In What Lurks Within, which readers are told now, stars Dr. Droom, which appeared in Amazing Adventures number 4, September 1961, on sale June 1961, Droom again tackles space aliens. It's the same team, Lee, Lieber, Kirby, Ayers and Goldberg. In this issue, a Midwestern couple of farmers see a spaceship land, which looks uncannily like a giant Halloween pumpkin. Other locals, sheriffs and looks like undertakers and old men, all turn up as if they've wandered out of a western, and they suggest calling for the help of Droom, who's lecturing in a nearby centre city, and the lecture he's doing is actually on tales of the mystic and occult. Before arriving, Droom asks the locals to call in a construction company. He's hired a wrecking ball, which he gets in and uses to and, and drives and uses it to get the attentions of the aliens before contacting them telepathically. Now we never see the aliens directly in this issue. They're just hideous shadows and clawed arms. And Droom bluffs them into thinking that the wrecking crane is the dominant species on Earth, which leaves them to flee the planet, believing that they could not defeat humans. Now, Droom ends by explaining that these are the first alien invaders. Either the, the stories are in the wrong order, or he's forgotten the existence of Zemu in the, in the, issue, in the last issue. Now, again, it's not a great story, and the way that Droom tricks the aliens is frankly terrible. But of the stories so far, this is probably the most enjoyable. The final Dr. Droom story. Dr. Droom defies the menace called Krog in Amazing Adventures number 6, November 1961, cover date on sale in August 1961. This has Stanley on plot, Larry Lieber on script. We now have Paul Reinman doing pencils and inks and Stan Goldberg doing colours. And we're back to the usual first-person narration. And I have to say, this is a terrible, terrible story. It's a terrible idea for a story. Houses are mysteriously kidnapped. That's right, houses. A $1 million ransom set up to, to bring these houses back. Droom has an idea and searches the local laboratories until he finds the scientist responsible for kidnapping the houses. He forces the scientist to open up the scientist's lab, which is in, in a room, by using a power of voice projection. The scientist had used a matter-transporting machine and he'd sent these houses to another dimension. When Droom gets into the room, the scientist tries to shoot him, but Droom manages to instantly put himself into a trance that makes the bullets magically bounce off him. And the scientist reveals himself to be an alien called Krog, who explains that he would have used the ransom to bribe Earthmen to help him plunder the planet. He then disappears and threatens he will return to be Droom's adversary. 
sadly or happily, depending on your view of Dr. Droom, the character disappears around the time that Dr. Doom appears in the Fantastic Four. And perhaps the similarity of the names um, and the fact that Dr. Droom is just not an engaging character. He's a flawed, dull superhero led to his early demise. Keen readers would already know that the character of Dr. Droom was retconned, sort of rebooted in the 1970s into a character called Dr. Druid. Essentially the same character, but given a, a pagan Western slant. And even pages of the original comic are, are altered. The, character, you know, the, the drawings are adapted and the, and the script changed. And he later becomes a member of the Avengers before, sadly, being murdered by the son of Satan in the mid-1990s. This is Unstable Molecules, exploring the origins of the Marvel Universe. I'm G. Hollingsby, and in this episode, we've looked at the character of Dr. Anthony Droom, Marvel's first attempt to create a modern comic book superhero. It was an attempt that didn't really work. Belong you, belong you, belong you, belong to the very Marvel Marching Society. March along, march along, march along to the song of the Merry Marble Marching Society. If you growl, if you groan, with the dour sour up, we'll give you howl, if you moan, you can lose your sour crust and keep me trim and in step with the villain of the Merry 